This is the Late Round Podcast with your host, JJ Zacharisa. What's up, everyone? It's JJ Zacharyson, and this is episode 806 of the Late Round Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Thanks for tuning in. Before getting into this week's transactions, I wanted to direct all of you to the Late Round Fantasy Football social channels. There's a YouTube channel that has clips from a lot of the shows that I do. There's an Instagram account, at LateRoundFF, where I'm posting data every single day. There's even a TikTok account. Just search Late Round Fantasy Football, and you should find what you're looking for. Now let's get to these transactions. Add Devon A-Chain. So we all know what Devon A-Chain did in Week 3. He scored 51.3 PPR points. It was just the fourth time that a running back scored 50 points since 2016. And he did it with a 43% running back rush share and a 14% target share. Now, the reason A-Chain was a player to target in the late round draft guide this offseason and why he was something I featured on this show before week one was because he's quite literally the perfect fit for this offense. We'd seen smaller, speedy backs thrive in this system in the past, whether it be Elijah Mitchell or Raheem Mostert. And A-Chain was a better prospect than those guys. And then on top of that, he was in an ambiguous backfield and he was a rookie. Those are the things that I'm always looking for. But I wasn't expecting this. Of course I wasn't expecting this. Now the Dolphins aren't going to be playing the Broncos every week. The Broncos defense has been atrocious to start the year. But there's no chance Miami now just lets Devon A-Chain sit on the bench, even if and when Jeff Wilson is back. Is he going to hit 18 carries a game? Probably not. Like I said, he had a 43% running back rush share. That's rarely going to equate to 18 rushes. And he's also an undersized back. He's not someone who profiles like a Saquon Barkley. He's not going to see that kind of workload. But 10 carries a game, 12 carries a game, those are realistic expectations for Devon A-Chain week in and week out. And given his speed, and given his ability, and given his fit in this offense, 10 to 12 touches on the ground and a handful of targets can go a long way. Now hopefully you already have him on your roster. But if he's on your waiver wire, he's available in 59% of Yahoo leagues still. If he's on your waiver wire, it's time to break the bank. This is why we don't let go of rookies after just a couple of weeks. Hold Zach Charbonnet. Now, speaking of rookie running backs, Zach Charbonnet, he's kind of been disappointing to start the year. But right now, after week three, this is not the time to give up. Kenneth Walker's the dude in that offense. There's no doubt. He's the one that you want in fantasy football. But that backfield split has gradually changed over the first three weeks of the season. In week one, Charbonnet played 24% of Seattle's snaps. That moved up to 28% in week two. This past week, it was 44%. And Charbonnet looked good against Carolina in week three. He had a 67% success rate, while Walker had a 56% success rate. That's according to NextGen Stats. What this is telling me is that in positive game script environments, Charbonnet could be useful in fantasy football. And then there's the obvious upside if an injury occurs to Kenneth Walker. This is the exact type of upside player that you should have on your bench. Add Quentin Johnston and Josh Palmer. Mike Williams is done for the year with a knee injury. That's going to change the way the Chargers deploy their wide receivers. After three games, Keenan Allen has run the most routes on this team. He has 122 of them. 
Josh Palmer is at 88. Quentin Johnston, their first round rookie, is at just 36. Johnson's run fewer routes than Gerald Everett, Joshua Kelly, and Donald Parham. So with Mike Williams out, we should expect Johnston to see an uptick in routes. He's going to play more. Now on the season, the Chargers rank in the top half of the league in percentage of plays run out of 11 personnel. That's three wide receiver sets. So Johnson's going to be on the field a lot more. The problem is that Palmer is clearly ahead of Johnston. So if you're looking for immediate production off the waiver wire, I think Palmer is probably your choice. Last season without Mike Williams, he saw about a 23% target share. But if you're fine with holding a higher variance player, which is what Quentin Johnston is, then maybe Johnston's the direction you want to go in. We've already seen Josh Palmer be just a solid wide receiver. I think the upside is still with Johnston. Largely due to ambiguity, don't get me wrong. I did think Johnston was a better prospect than Josh Palmer, but the lack of playing time for Johnston is somewhat of a concern. I talked about that last week on the show. And he was a very volatile prospect. But my stance overall is that if you're picking someone up to stash them, Johnston might be the play. If you need someone for immediate production, Josh Palmer's the play. Sell Damian Pierce. So the Texans saw a negative game script in week one and week two. That led to Damian Pierce not seeing great snap rates. He had a 46% snap rate in week one and then a 49% snap rate in week two. In week three, Houston had a nice game. They had a positive game flow for that offense. Even still, Pierce only had a 54% snap share. Now I understand the Texans were leading by a huge margin in that game and in the fourth quarter, they used Mike Boone and Devin Singletary a lot. They outsnapped Pierce in the fourth quarter. But what this tells me is that Pierce isn't even the automatic closer for that team. And once again in week three, he wasn't the team's primary pass catcher out of the backfield. Singletary ran more routes than Pierce for a second consecutive week. And then on top of all of that, the Texans' offensive line is a mess. That's led to inefficiency on the ground. So we're looking at the following. The Texans aren't using Damian Pierce as a bell cow. In polar opposite game scripts, he's still not been a dominant force in that offense. I think he's the most talented back that they have, but they're not using him as a bell cow. But he found the end zone in week three. He ended the day as a solid RB2 in fantasy. So there could be an opportunity to sell high. And I think he is a sell high candidate because I'm not sure this role is going to change. Given the evidence we have right now, he's not looking like a bell cow running back here in 2023. Buy Ramondre Stevenson. So a lot of fantasy managers are going to look at that box score between the Jets and the Patriots this past weekend, and they're going to think this Patriots backfield is going to be split moving forward. That it's going to be a headache to figure out. Because in week three, Ezekiel Elliott saw 16 rush attempts. Ramondre Stevenson had 19. Ezekiel Elliott had 80 yards rushing. Stevenson had 59. So a lot of people are going to look at that and say, Elliott was the better player on the ground in week three. Why aren't they just going to give him more and more work? Here's the thing. Here's my breakdown of it. If you have Stevenson, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Elliott saw nine of his 16 rush attempts in the fourth quarter. That's when the Patriots were trying to close out that game. In the end, Stevenson still had 19 routes to Elliott's six. He was on the field for 65% of New England's offensive snaps. 
That's the difference between someone like Ramondre Stevenson to someone like Damian Pierce, who I just talked about. Now, his 65% snap share was lower than what he saw in week one and week two, where he was at 74% and 72%. But it wasn't that far off. Stevenson's workload didn't look great compared to Ezekiel Elliott, but he was still playing a large number of their snaps. And if you look at the Patriots' schedule moving forward, it's not as kind as their matchup against Zach Wilson. They get the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, Bills, and Dolphins over their next five. If this Patriots offense is trailing, Ezekiel Elliott is not the running back that's going to be on the field. Ramondre Stevenson is. He's the one who's catching passes out of the backfield. So if someone's worried about Stevenson, now could be a nice buy low moment for him. Add Marvin Mims. So this type of transaction, it's almost the inverse of what I typically say. I'm usually focused on peripherals. I'm focused on usage. Those things lead to production. So a lot of times I'm talking about buy low candidates or players to add off the waiver wire when their production hasn't matched their peripherals. When their peripherals look great, but the production maybe not so much. But in the case of Marvin Mims, his peripherals, his usage, they suck. It's his production that's been good. Through three games, Mims has run just 26 routes. But on those 26 routes, he's at 195 receiving yards. He leads the league with a 7.5 yards per route run rate. That's not going to continue, but it's awesome. So he's shown off that big playability to start the season. He's a good wide receiver. He was a good prospect. It's why I talked about him pre-week one. It's only a matter of time before he sees more snaps in this offense. Sell DJ Moore. I really wanted the Bears to show us something in week three. They had a decent enough matchup from a fantasy perspective against the Chiefs. I just wanted to see something. But they ended up having just a little over 200 total net yards. They were horrible. Justin Fields is now averaging a Desmond Ritter like 175 passing yards per game. Everyone in that offense is suffering as a result. Except for DJ Moore. He's actually been okay in fantasy. Partially because he got bailed out with a late touchdown against the Chiefs. But he scored 16.4 and 13.1 PPR points over his last two. And during that time, he has a 27.5% target share per game. Those peripherals are not bad. It's just hard to trust those peripherals in this offense. Because after three weeks, they rank 31st in adjusted completion rate, 30th in pressure rate allowed, and 28th in passing volume. I don't think DJ Moore is going to be completely unusable moving forward. He's a good wide receiver. But I understand if you don't want to deal with this anymore. They do have a favorable matchup against the Broncos next week, but it's really, really hard to buy into this offense right now whether it's the coaching or whether it's Justin Fields himself. So it's totally reasonable if you want to sell DJ Moore. Add Wandale Robinson. I think one of the sneakier low-key ads this week could be Wandale Robinson. He returned in week three from that ACL that he suffered in 2022 during his rookie year. He kind of picked up where he left off. The Giants only let him run eight routes, but he saw five targets on those routes. That type of targets per route run rate, that's a continuation of what we saw from Robinson last year. Among all wideouts with 100 or more routes run last season, Robinson's rate of seeing targets ranked in the 87th percentile, and he was a rookie. He's a talented player. 
his role should grow as the season moves on. So it's not a bad idea to get him right now rather than waiting for that production to match. By Jordan Addison. So prior to Monday Night Football, no team in the league has more pass attempts than the Minnesota Vikings. And that's what we saw last year. They were third in the NFL last season in pass attempts. That's huge for the team's pass catchers. Justin Jefferson, he's going to dominate. TJ Hawkinson, he's going to see a lot of looks too. But even the secondary players like Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne, they can be relevant as well. But the reason I'm calling Addison out here is because he's still playing behind the aforementioned Osborne. Addison's run 27 fewer routes than Osborne this year, but he has four more catches and 84 more receiving yards. His yards per route run is 1.71, which is a really solid number, especially for a rookie. KJ Osborne's 0.75. That number would have ranked in the 12th percentile at wide receiver last year. So it's only a matter of time before Addison leapfrogs Osborne. He's going to become the number two wide receiver on this team because he's more talented than KJ Osborne is. And when that happens, when Addison becomes the number two, he's going to be playing more snaps and he's going to be running more routes. That's going to lead to more fantasy production. Add Tajay Spears. So we've now seen Tajay Spears outsnap Derrick Henry in two of three games this year. And he's also run eight more routes. That's led to target shares of 12.1%, 8.3%, and 16.7% across his first three games. In PPR formats, Spears has a chance to be usable without a Derrick Henry injury. And that'll definitely be the case in more negative game script environments, which they could face over the next few weeks because they get the Bengals and Ravens upcoming. And then Spears obviously has that upside if Derrick Henry gets hurt and Henry's already dealing with a toe injury. Spears is available in 76% of Yahoo leagues. You got to add him this week. Sell Deshaun Watson. So look, I like Deshaun Watson as a fantasy asset entering the season. I thought he was a value in drafts because the upside was there. I'm chasing upside. That's the way that I play fantasy football. That's the way that I analyze fantasy football. But it's very clear just by watching Deshaun Watson that he's not going to be the Deshaun Watson of old. The chance of that happening seems very slim. On the season, Watson's 22nd in completion rate over expected. He's 25th in expected points added per dropback. Now, he walked away from week three looking okay, but he also faced the Titans' defense. It's a known pass funnel defense. Entering the week, Tennessee was dead last in air yards per attempt allowed, 24th in total touchdowns allowed, and 26th in passing expected points added per dropback allowed. In week four, Cleveland gets Baltimore, divisional opponent. Then it's their bye week in week five. And then they get San Francisco after that bye week. That's a tough stretch. So coming off a nice outing and with two QB1 performances to start the season, Watson's a nice sell high. Add Josh Downs. So I do want to say if Tank Dell's out there on your waiver wire, you should be grabbing him. I'm not talking about him on today's show because I talked about him last week. Instead, let's talk about another rookie in Josh Downs. Downs was someone that my prospect model liked quite a bit. He fell further in the NFL draft than most thought, and that gave him a strong draft capital delta. That's a metric that I created to show how my model viewed a player versus how the NFL drafted, where he was actually drafted. Downs is a slot guy. He played 67% of his snaps from that area of the field against Baltimore in week three. 
he ended up leading the Colts with 12 targets. His target shares over the first three weeks of the season, 17.9%, 16.1%, and 28.6%. That's impressive for a rookie. Now, Alec Pierce is also another wideout on that team. We know that Michael Pittman's the number one. But Downs has outperformed him to start the year. Pierce has run 16 more routes, but Downs has nine more receptions and 48 more yards. Now, I do think the Colts are still going to be a fairly run-heavy team with Anthony Richardson. But Downs' role could grow into something bigger. So at the very least, he should be on your radar. By Christian Watson. Some of you are probably struggling to get a win right now. You need some sort of change within your lineup. You might need someone like Christian Watson. Not only is Watson a very high-variance player, he looks like he could be a stud, but he also looks like he might be the next Chase Claypool. So not only does he have that variance, but he still hasn't played a regular season snap this year. Fortunately, it does sound like he's close to returning to the field after dealing with his hamstring. He was practicing last week. And that's exciting news because Jordan Love, without Christian Watson, is third in the NFL in air yards. And Watson's coming off that rookie season where he had a yards per route run rate above 2.25. The reason that's important is because since 2011, the only first-year wide receivers to hit that mark have been Odell Beckham, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Chris Olave. That's unbelievable company to be part of. Targeting and trading for Christian Watson right now is absolutely risky, but his manager might be sick of dealing with this injury. He might be the boost that your team needs. Add C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has been awesome to start the year, even in fantasy football. He had a rough week one, but he's had back-to-back 20-point performances. He ranks in the top half of the league in EPA per dropback. And Houston looked really competent against Jacksonville in week three. Now, over their next two games, they get the Steelers and the Falcons. Those aren't necessarily ideal matchups. Pittsburgh might have an easy time against this Texans offensive line. And the Falcons have actually been okay in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks this year. Even if they're not perfect opponents, though, Stroud could have some long-term upside. So if you're a quarterback-needy team, you can add Stroud this week. And he still makes for a decent enough streamer. Add the Denver Broncos defense. The Denver defense has been one of the bigger disappointments in football this year. Their week three performance was horrific. And they've scored a combined five standard fantasy points to start the year. But guess what? In week four, they get the Bears. Defenses against Chicago have ranked in the top five in weekly scoring every single week this season. I know it's not an easy play because the Broncos have not played well defensively. But this is exactly what defensive streaming is all about. That's it for today's show, though. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you yet subscribed to the Late Round Fantasy Football Podcast, make sure you are by searching for it pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at LateRoundQB. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll talk to you tomorrow with the Weekly 10 Trend Show.